0: If you would to Matthew or excuse me, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, and Chris, the verses I gave you for here in a minute, uh, verses uh, 30 to 36, it's to 37. Okay, just I I I, I hate throwing him curveballs because he gets mad at me, and um, I don't want him. He's bigger than me, so. <clears throat> Our theme this year is a firm foundation, and uh, as as I have meditated and 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 thought much uh, over the last several weeks and months over our theme this year, a firm foundation is it's it's important and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, it's important that no matter if you've been saved two weeks, <clears throat> two years or 20 years, uh, it's important that we as believers periodically go back and for lack of better terms, check our foundation, our spiritual foundation, because if we don't, th- then things in our lives can get neglected. And, and, <clears throat> As I, as, as I had meditated on this idea of a firm foundation, the Lord kept bringing me back to the parables of Christ. And again, we've talked about this, but I just wanted to kind of re- reiterate it and, and get it in our thinking uh, because the parables, at least from what I can see, the parables are foundational teachings of Christ to his disciples. And I thought, if you know, studying, you know, the, the, having a firm foundation, I thought, what better teaching than Christ Himself? The fundamentals, the, the 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 foundational teachings that Jesus taught us in in these in these parables. So that's what we're doing. We're we're going back, and we're 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 going to going to spend the majority of the year, uh, hopefully. Uh, the majority of the year, looking at the parables of Christ and, and so that we can then go back in our own lives and reestablish and relook at our spiritual foundation in our lives as well. There, that is a healthy exercise that each of us should do regularly. <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to be talking about another parable, one that many of you know, could many of you could probably tell the story. And that is the story, the or the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay, How many of you know this one? Okay. Uh, yeah, most of most of us. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, but the question is, why did Jesus tell the story? See, that's really the important question is what? What was he trying to teach or what was the purpose behind the story of the good Samaritan? So my goal this morning, hopefully at least my goal is to answer the question, why did he tell this parable? And actually the, this, this whole series we're going to be doing. That's the, that's the goal. Why did Jesus tell all these stories? What was the purpose behind them? Because that's, that's the foundational truth, is why. Luke chapter 10, let's start reading in verse 30. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side and likewise the levite when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side but a certain samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him and he went to him and bound up his wounds and poured uh, uh, poured in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to, to him, Take care of him and whatever thou spendest more uh, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of which, <coughs> excuse me, 30, verse 36, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? In verse 37, and he, and we'll talk about the he here in a minute. And he <laughs> said, he that showed mercy on him. And then said Jesus unto him, Go thou, go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Uh, for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I, I do ask as we look at your word this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us and that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, social, social psychologist uh, John Darley and Daniel Batson Wanted to know why people help in some situations but not others. They decided to study one uh, alleged uh, 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 one uh, uh, group of of students, and so they decided to go to a seminary, and they they picked out 67 seminary students and asked them to deliver a sermon on the parable of the Good Samaritan. The researchers then randomly assigned the students to two categories. The first category, they brought them in and they told them, oh, you're late, you have got to get there now. So they were in a hurry. That was the category was the hurried condition so they they rushed them into the next building and they had to w- walk down the long hallway or, or or excuse me, they had to leave the building, walk down to the to another building over down a ways and then and then go in and preach their sermon but the so you had the hurried category, and then you had the unhurried category where the person where they were reported to they said, "Oh, don't worry about it, you got plenty of time just just." Take your time. Go down there. There, you know, whenever, whenever you get there, it's fine. So that's the two categories. Each student walked along. Excuse me. Walked alone to the building where he would deliver the sermon. On one, uh, on, on the, on the way, the students encountered a man slumped in a doorway with his eyes closed, coughing, mo- and and moaning, clearly in distress. From afar, researchers watched what would the seminary students do to help meet the needs of this stranger. The two researchers found that only 10% of the seminary students that were in a hurried condition stopped to help the man. In comparison, 63% of the participants in the unhurried condition, stop to help. In other words, being in a hurry can lead even a seminary student with the good Samaritan on his mind to stop and render help. That's not good. So this is the conclusion of the study. When pressed for time, People must choose between helping and meeting others uh, meeting goals of others. But when people are not hurried, they can pursue multiple goals in order uh, of importance. In addition, people with time to spare can broaden their attention and notice more detail about their environment. So what can we learn from the study? This is the lesson that they have. Uh, Even seminary seminary students benefited from slowing down. Likewise, reducing time pressure uh, will likely help most people pay attention to their surroundings and respond more readily to others in need. So question, is Jesus telling us that we need to slow down so that we can see and then help meet the needs of others. Is that is that what Jesus is trying to teach us? Before I give you the answer, let's dig into it and see what we find, okay? Point number 1, the setting. The setting. Well, before we do that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love. And for your patience with us. And Lord, most of all, the, the, the my burning desire this morning is that we not walk away with a, a head full of facts, but that you would touch our hearts so that we know what you would want us to know. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So let's look at the setting here. To, to, to better understand this parable, we need to understand what's going on. So let's back up to verse 25 in our passage here. In verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, being Jesus, said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou, thou hast uh, answered right. This do and thou shalt live. In Verse 29, And he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is thy neighbor? See the, the 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 setting here is important because in verse 25 the lawyer stands up and starts a public discussion with Jesus. Okay, and in our society today that would that would almost come across as being confrontational, wouldn't it? You know for for some something like this, uh, Jesus, you know, sitting in a crowd, probably in a teaching situation, and a lawyer uh, 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 to stand up and and to confront him like this. it would it would come across confrontational in our society today. but you you have to understand the culture then. Having public discussion like this was very common and and uh, so it was not out of place. Um, and the lawyer here, is not a, what we think of a lawyer. When we think of a lawyer, we think of civil law. Uh, this lawyer was not a civil law lawyer. He was a religious law lawyer. His, his specialty was the Mosaic law or the, the law that the Jews followed. So it was it was this man's job to interpret, if you would, the, the law. So he knew the law. So when Jesus looks at him and says, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when he says, what do you think? He knew the answer. He knew the answer to the question before he ever asked it. So let's talk about the lawyer here for a minute. Uh, point number two. So we, we got the setting. Let's talk about the lawyer because because he is a key element in, in this whole thing, understanding who he is. Then, now, <clears throat> We don't know a lot about the lawyer, but there is something very telling about the lawyer, and that is this: that he he is disingenuous. He 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 had no intention of getting an answer. He would what he his goal in verse 25. It says that he uh, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. His his goal was to do what a lot of lawyers like to do and that is take what you say and twist it around against you and make it sound like something that you didn't say. And that that was that was his goal. He was absolutely disingenuous in in the in the question that he asked. but he he does ask a question. <clears throat> uh, uh, and he said in verse 25 he says, master, what shall I do to inherit <clears throat> eternal life? This question has been asked by mankind for centuries. People have been have have wanted to know the answer to this question since the beginning of mankind. But it is important here because what he says here is What he, what he says here, is, is, in essence, is when he looks at Jesus, he says, what do I have to do to earn salvation? What, what do I have to do to earn it? So you have to understand the culture. You have to understand the mindset. This was an incredibly religious man. And the Jews back then felt like they had to earn their way to heaven by keeping the law. And this man, of all, of, of anybody, would know that it, it was something that he had to do. And he was going to use Jesus' answer and twist it around on him. But Jesus does something very, very special. He looks at the man and he says, you know the answer. What is it? How, how, many, of, how many of you parents have ever had a, one of your children come to you and ask you a stupid question? <laughs> Knowing the whole time that they knew the answer. But what are they trying to do? Trying to get you to change your mind, right? Or, or they're they're trying to get a different answer. So what Jesus does here is what you should do is. What's the answer? You you can answer that question yourself. See, he was trying to figure out how he could earn his way to heaven. Now we know because we have the New Testament. We are we are on the on the. On the backside of the of of the cross, we know that there is nothing we can do to earn our way to heaven. In Ephesians chapter two and verses eight and nine, it says, "For for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." But this man was a prideful, religious man who wanted to be able to boast about his ability to earn his way to heaven. Verse 26, and he said unto him, What what is written in the law? How readest thou? Again, Jesus is confronting him with his own knowledge. He knows the answer. Verse 27, the man, the the lawyer here, quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, O Israel, or excuse me, hear, O Israel. The Lord, our God, is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. But he, the, the lawyer here adds something at the very end, a postscript, if you would. He says, and thy neighbor as thyself. See, that, that, that part of what he says is not in Deuteronomy chapter 6. But this man knew the law so well that he knew that that was the heartbeat of God. That we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. But the lawyer couldn't leave well enough alone. In verse 29, well, it, well, let's back up to verse 28. Verse 28, he says, And he, and he, said, unto, he, he said unto him, uh, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. <clears throat> Basically, what, he, what Jesus tells the lawyer is, Hey, you got it. You keep the law perfectly, and you'll make it. But what's the problem with that? You can't. And that was the whole purpose of the law is to prove that we can't keep the law. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have uh, believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no man's, uh, shall, <clears throat> shall no flesh be justified? And then we come to verse 29, and he, and he just, he has to just get in one more job, trying to, to get to Jesus. I always think it's kind of silly, you know, that man is going to outthink God. But anyway, <clears throat> but you know, he is a lawyer, so what, what do you say? verse 29 he says but he willing to justify himself so what is the purpose of the lawyer's next question trying to justify himself because Jesus has already put him in a box and he asks the question in verse 28 and who is thy neighbor. Who is thy neighbor? Then Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan to answer the question, who is thy neighbor? So, point number three this morning. Let's look at the four characters. There's four there are four characters, four characters. There are four characters in our story this morning. and it's and it's important that we look at the four characters that Jesus identifies in the parable here. The first one, well, well we're saying before I get there, um, three of the characters are Jewish, and one is Samaritan, okay? <clears throat> now you have to understand, the attitude toward the the Jews, toward the Samaritans. And and this is important. This is is an important element of the story. If you don't understand it, it doesn't quite make sense. But the Jews absolutely hated the Samaritans. They hated them. They would would give more respect to a dog than they would a Samaritan. That's how bad they hated them. Okay. And the reason why is because the Samaritans were half Gentile and half Jew. And the Jews that was the the ultimate insult. The ultimate insult. So they the Jews if 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 you I should have gotten a map of this, but if you were in one part of Israel, and you wanted to go to the other part of Israel, you you literally had to cross the Jordan River, go along the Jordan River, and then cross back over the Jordan River, because Samaria separated Israel, in a sense. I'd have, Again, I'd have to show you on a map. But do you remember the story, the woman at the well? And Jesus tells his disciples, I needs go through Samaria. I I have to go that way. Why? Because it was not that the Jews would go around Samaria instead of going through Samaria. It was highly frowned upon to take the shortcut, so to speak. They hated the Samaritans. So the story here has three Jews and a Samaritan. The first character we're going to look at is the victim. He is a Jew. And he is moving from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, he is not going to the Old Testament Jericho, you know, where the walls came tumbling down and blah, blah, blah that's not that Jericho, okay? This is a different Jericho, it's a newer city, and it's only about 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, This this town of Jericho was built around a large oasis. So it was a natural stopping point for people traveling because they could refresh their, their animals and so on and so forth. So merchants would frequently make the trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a it was a very well traveled uh road, if you would. <clears throat> but it was also a very dangerous route because it was it was it was isolated. There was there was nothing. Once you left Jerusalem and until you got to Jericho, there was nothing. And thieves would would roam that highway. And if you were, if you were uh, by yourself or uh, in a very small group, uh, chances are you would get robbed along the way. So they, so in order to make the journey safely, oftentimes they would, people would travel in caravans with oftentimes armed, armed security, if you would, to be able to make the trip. But for whatever reason, this, this, this man makes the trip uh, by himself, and and sure enough, he 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 gets robbed, stripped of everything that he has. He's beaten, and he's left to die. Now, one of the things that's important in the story is the fact that that the event that just took place in the parable is something that took place often along the highway. So it was a very believable scenario, if you would. So Jesus then introduces character number two. Character number two is a priest. And the priest is making his way. Now the priest <clears throat> could make the journey by himself because most thieves would never harm a priest. So the priest is making his way from Jerusalem to Jericho or Vice versa, we don't know which direction he was going. But he's on the road, and he comes across a man who has been stripped and beaten. And the priest sees him, and he crosses to the other side of the highway, and he goes around. And we think, how dare he do that? But you have to go back into the culture and understand the culture. See, it was forbidden for a priest to touch a corpse. If a priest or Levite touched a corpse, they would have to go back to the temple and go through an incredible series of events to clean themselves again. He would not have been able to resume his priestly duties had he touched the man if he were dead. So he crosses the road and avoids contact with this man fearing that he was dead because if he was dead it was a lot of work that he would have to do to re-cleanse and, and purify himself so that he could resume his priestly duties so simply put it would have been a very inconvenient thing <laughs> if the man had been dead. Think about that for a minute. I remember one time, and I don't recommend doing this, but I do it periodically when I believe the Lord wants me to, but I pick up hitchhikers periodically, but I'm only when I'm by myself, okay? I'm very careful with it. But this one day I was leaving Fernley I was <clears throat> on my way to visit somebody in the hospital and I was in a hurry because I had to go visit somebody in Reno and I had to beat it back to to Fernley because I had something else going on that evening so I had to rush there and rush back and uh, don't look at me like that <laughs> you all do the same thing okay well, you may not pick up hitchhikers, but anyway. Um, but anyway, as I, I come, I I, I come. I actually was at the church. I, I come out here and I go flying around and I, I get to the interstate and there's a guy at the on-ramp with his thumb out. And I go right past him. You know how I justified it? I'm in a hurry. I got to get there and get back. And and I got about halfway to the uh, Wadsworth exit, and I said, "Okay, God, I'm okay. I'll turn around." So I got off and I came around, came around, and he was gone. I'm like, oh, you kidding me? So I drove around. I drove around. I finally found the guy. He was actually walking over here to Pilot, and I said, "Man, you need a ride?" He's like, "Man, could you take me?" Anyway, I was able to lead him to Christ. I bought him dinner. And then I went and did my thing, and I still got back, and I was probably late, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> the problem is we get, it, it's not convenient to always do what God wants us to do. Again, I don't recommend you pick up hitchhikers, but <clears throat> I've done it for years. And I have, I have led a lot of those, those, those people to Christ. And it's not always convenient Character number three, in the same manner, the Levite was in the same predicament because he, he also had to be ceremonially clean in order to perform his duties. So he was in the same predicament, but the, I, 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 I thought I knew the difference, but I just wanted to check, out. so I went and I, and I checked, and I make sure that what the difference between a priest and a Levite is. A priest, for the most part, <clears throat> his responsibilities were to, um, uh, excuse me, uh, to do the offer, the, the offerings at the altar, to, to sprinkle the blood, and do do all that for burnt offerings, according to Leviticus chapter one. That primarily, and they did other things, but that primarily, that's what a priest did. A Levite, um, and let me say this, both the Levite and the priest were both from the tribe of Levi. Okay, so they were both Levites in a sense. But a Levite, an official Levite, <clears throat> his responsibility was to assist the priest in the preparation of the offerings, uh, to uh, to care for the court and the and all the peripheral stuff but what i found interesting is that one of the main functions of the levite was to interpret the law and to teach the law so jesus is using the priest because that is the epitome of judaism but he also is using the illustration of a levite Because these guys not only knew the law, but they knew and they taught the law. So let's go back to what did what did the lawyer say? When Jesus says, hey, you know the answer to the question, what's the answer? The Levite knew, or or, excuse me, the lawyer knew. Love God, love thy neighbor. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Do you think the Levite knew that too? Absolutely he did. But what was he more concerned about? He was more concerned about himself. So he too crosses over and goes around the man who is dying. Then comes character number four. Oh, let me read this. well, no. Uh, character number four, <clears throat> the Samaritan. Again, you, again, keeping in mind that the Jews hate the Samaritans. Okay. Now, one of the things that Jesus does here is he. <clears throat> we call it the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay. But what Jesus does here goes into the face of every Jew that was listening to him because he tells a story where a Samaritan, the person that they hated, does something good. And in the eyes of a Jew, get this, in the eyes of a Jew, a Samaritan could have no capability of doing anything good, only the Jews could. So Jesus flips the coin on them and he uses their hated neighbors, to illustrate a very important point that this Samaritan did good when the Jews did not. Question. What is the difference between the the priest, Levite, and the Samaritan? The difference is now, before I tell you, before I give you the answer, let me ask you another question. <clears throat> Do you think that as the the priest and the Levite walked past this dying man, they might have said, I'll pray for you, dude. Or they might have even said, Man, I really feel sorry for you, but I, I just can't touch it. Do you think there was any compassion, maybe at all? Maybe. We don't know, we we don't know their hearts. But we do know they were more concerned about themselves. But the difference between the priest and Levite and the Samaritan is that the Samaritan showed compassion. He took his time. He stopped. He bound up his wounds and he took oil, which was very expensive. And he poured it on his wounds. And he, and he took wine to, to help. We would, we would use peroxide now for the same thing, to help keep the germs out, keep it from getting infected. But he took time to help. And as I, every time I read this story, I think of Jude 22. And some have compassion making a difference some having compassion making a difference so question is this parable about showing compassion the answer to that is not totally not really now, is there absolutely a, a demonstration of compassion? Yes, that, that, but what is the parable about? The parable, the answer to that question is in verse 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is thy neighbor? Then he tells the parable. So, the parable is answering the question, Who is thy neighbor? So, who is thy neighbor? Everyone. The people you don't like, the people you politically disagree with, the people that you socially disagree with, everybody is your neighbor. Here we have a missionary with us this morning to the jungles of Brazil. She is dedicating her life to reach people groups that have you have you been into a jungle, into a tribe yet where they have never seen a white person? Okay, I I was in a, when I was in New Guinea, I was in a a tribe where everybody probably 20 years and younger had never seen a white person. In fact, I had little girls touching me because they thought I was a freak. And they're right, but... (laughs) Every people group. Luke chapter 24 verses 46 and 47, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to raise uh, to rise uh, from the dead the third day, and the repentance, excuse me, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Do you understand what the word "nations" there means? In the word, the Greek word for nations is literally the word "people group." Every, not only nation, but every people group in the world, Christ died for them, and that is the heartbeat of God, and that is the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. And when He is telling this parable, and He is talking to this. Jewish lawyer he says every people group needs to hear the truth compassion to every people group not just the people you like but to every people group compassion is a huge part of the message of the 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 good samaritan Compassion is incredibly important in the life of every believer. And who are we to be compassionate to? Every people group. So what are some takeaways from our our time together this morning with the parable of the Good Samaritan? Number one, everyone is your neighbor. Everyone is your neighbor. And you have a responsibility to reach everyone. Another takeaway, do, we, we do need to have more compassion in our lives. That, 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 that's a given. I mean, that, that's all over this parable. Another takeaway is, and I believe this to be true, we need to slow down and not be so stinking busy that we lose focus of what God has us here for. And I believe with all my heart, and this is this is my opinion. And you take my opinion in a dollar twenty-five, and go to McDonald's and get a cup of coffee with it. Okay? Can you get a cup of coffee for a buck twenty-five? Maybe a senior, maybe a senior coffee. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> the point is this. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Man, go on. Oh, I know what it was. I believe with all my heart that one of the things that Satan is doing in our world today, in our churches today, is creating busyness in the lives of believers and people in our churches. And we are too busy We are way too busy. And we need to purposefully slow down and allow God the ability to work in our hearts and lives. My dad told me one time after he retired, he said, he said, Rick, I don't he said I asked him, I said something, and he's like, I am so stinking busy. And he's retired. I said, how, how can you be busy, man? All you gotta do is get up and take a nap in the middle of the day and go back to bed at night. I mean, what do you got to do? He said, he said, Rick. He said, honestly, I don't know how I found time to work. <laughs> See, Satan, Satan can keep us so busy, just like me trying, going to Reno that day. <clears throat> I, I, it is so easy to justify. Oh, I can't. I don't have time to talk to that person. I don't. I don't have time to hand out a, 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 a blessing. Homeless blessing bags that we give out. I'm in a hurry. And by the way, <clears throat> there's still some out there. Grab some and put them in your car. These are great to give to people standing on the corner. But pastor, it takes time and it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Really? People need us. There are people all around us that are dying and going to hell. Let me close with this. Years ago, when the church first started, uh, this is, it's been a long time ago. Anyway, a, a young man came to church And he looked like a homeless guy. I mean, he 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 looked the part. He even smelled it. And he came to church, and we you know we did our service and everything. And he hung around to talk to me after the service. And he came up to me afterward, and he said, he said, Pastor, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. I said, what's up? And he said, I'm not homeless. He said, I, I dress like this on purpose. He said, I'm, I'm just passing through. And he said, I, I will periodically when I'm visiting a church, I'll dress like this on purpose to see how people treat me. And he said, I want you to know, your people were incredible. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how we should be. But I can tell you, I know churches where a person like that would come in. They would actually take him and escort him out. I don't know about you, but that's not Christianity. Is your life too busy? I don't know. Is there somebody maybe that you don't really want to tell them about God because you don't like them? Or they don't look quite like you think they ought to look, or they don't live a lifestyle that you think is worthy of Christians? Well, let me say this. I'm sure glad that the person who led me to Christ didn't think like that. Because I looked nothing like a Christian ought to look when I got saved. And I thank God that somebody took the time to share the gospel with a drunk. Praise God for that. Every people group. Every, every people group. Compassion is a wonderful thing. We all want it exhibited to us, but we're not always willing to show it to others. Remember the lesson from the seminary students. Every seminary student benefited from slowing down. Likewise, let's slow down. Let's take the time to let God speak to us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. and Lord, thank you for your love and the fact that you never, ever gave up on any of us here this morning. I'm so very thankful for that. Lord, help us. Possibly to slow down in our lives so that we can see the people around us that need us. Thank you for your patience with us, thank you for your love. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. With every head bowed,